0: But tonight, uh, I want to share a message, and I believe that it's leading into the season that you're about to step into as a church, and it's called Give Me My Mountain. Give me my mountain. And I'm excited to bring this message tonight. I'm going to start by reading in Joshua chapter 14, and you can turn there, or the guys will put the scriptures up. Thank you, guys. Uh, Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. It says this, A delegation from the tribe of Judah... Led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, "Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report." But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan in which you were just walking will be your ground of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me, "'alive and well, as he promised, "'for all these 45 years since Moses made his promise, "'even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. "'Today I am 85 years old.'" And I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that first journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord has promised me. Or the King James Version is now, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. You will remember that as the scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. I want to talk tonight about what it would take for this company of believers, C3 Kiwana Waters, for each one of us, both as a company of people and as individuals, what it would mean for us to take our mountain. See, the people of faith are not people that settle, but they're people that say, give me my mountain. And I believe God wants the spirit that resided on Caleb to rest upon each one of us, that we would say, God, give me my mountain. We're not just going to accept what we've got. We're not going to stay where we are. C3 Kiwana waters, we're not going to stay where we are. My friend, in your life, you're not going to stay where you are, but God wants you to get to a place where you receive his purpose, you walk in his promise, and his art in your life is so evident to see. So I want to talk tonight about the four things that Caleb had in his life to get to the point where not only did he see the mountain, but he got to the point where he got his mountain. So what four things will we need as a church? What four things will you need in your life to get where God wants you to go? God wants you to go somewhere. God wants you to go somewhere. He's not saying stay here. He never says stay here. He says, I've got a purpose and a plan. Stay here planted in the house, but don't stay here in your capacity. Don't stay here at the level that you are sitting at now. God wants us to keep growing and keep advancing in both what we can carry, the burden, the weight of what we can carry, and what we can do with our hands. See, Caleb had stayed skilled and he had stayed strong. He didn't get, he didn't let age weary him, but he stayed strong. So he's got four things that he displays that I believe we need. What are they? Trust, focus, conviction. And confidence. Trust, focus, conviction, and confidence. So tonight, I want to take some time and talk about those four things that we're going to need in our life if we will enter into what God has. You know, the first thing is the power of trust. The power of trust. Caleb shows that he trusts in God, and that is why he gets to the point where he gets his mountain. In Wellington in 2013... About five years ago, we had a drought. I know, can you believe it? In New Zealand, in Wellington, you're like, what is she on about? (laughs) Wellington in a drought? I know. We were shocked too. So was our local council, because they had emptied out one of our dams. We have two dams that we store water in, and the council thought, okay, no problem, we need to do earthquake strengthening, because we were having all these earthquakes, and the council's like, man, this dam won't hold up if there's an earthquake. So they decided to empty the dam and do the strengthening work. The problem is, they didn't expect that that summer there would be a drought. And so the one dam that we did have was beginning to run out of water. It created quite a panic. Wellingtonians, New Zealanders running out of water. It was very foreign to us and very panic-inducing. We were on watering restrictions, watering rations, you know, and I know that only the grandmas obey that, right? Only the grandmas actually don't have the shower, you know, but everyone else doesn't care and does whatever they want and so, you know, you just know that those teenagers are having as many showers as they want and grandma's going without, right? There we were in the drought and the kids started to panic because we started to get this tally of how many days of water were left. And they were telling us, you've got seven days of water, you've got five days of water, you know, we got down to about four days of water. And my kids were going to school and in the schoolyard, all the kids are like, we're running out of water, we're going to die, we're going to die. And I said, kids. I said to them, they were you know, quite young at this stage, I said, kids, you're not going to die. I am your mother. We will, if worst comes to worse, we will fly to Auckland and stay with grandma. It definitely will be raining in Auckland. Don't worry, I'm not gonna let you die. And, and the other thing is the council will truck in water. We have great authorities, they won't let the people die. Don't worry, but did they believe me? Did they trust their mother? No. They were living in the drama of the moment. Now, as it may be, we went to church that Sunday, and we were, you know, still running low on water. There had been no rain. And quite ironically, we began to sing some song like Rain On Me. Of course, right? Of course, rain on me. And for some of us singing that day, we were like, we really mean it this time, Lord. (laughs) We really mean it. Rain on us. And as we drove out of the church car park, Sure enough, the first drops of rain began to fall on my silver Honda Accord, which looked like the rain. And as we, sat, as we drove out of the car park, the kids are in the back seat, and Will turns to his sister, Lara, and he goes, oh, Lara, it's so great that it started to rain. And she goes, yes, Will. And he goes, Lara, we're not going to die. I'm like, I told you, you weren't going to die. Why is it that no children trust their mother? Like, why don't they trust their mother? You know what? We're exactly the same with God. Exactly the same. He says, you're not going to run out of water. But do we believe him? Do we trust him? Sometimes we don't. But the thing was that Caleb had learned how to trust God because God had revealed that if we believe and trust God, his protection resides on our lives. If we trust God, we are always under his protection. I want to show you what happened a little bit earlier which brings Caleb to this place. What had happened is that Joshua had been one, Joshua and Caleb had been two of the 12 spies that Moses had sent out to the promised land. He sent out 12 And Joshua and Caleb were different. They trusted in God. The other 10 spies did not trust in God. When the 12 spies came back to the nation of Israel, wandering in the desert, wandering in the wilderness, they did not say, we found the promised land. 10 of them didn't. They said, we've seen a country of giants. We're afraid. We are grasshoppers. We can't go and do this. And Joshua and Caleb said, Come on, guys. If God is for us, who can be against us? They said, the Lord is our protection. He is our shield and our rear guard. Those people, we can take them out. Did you see the grapes? Did you see how big the grapes were? And Caleb and Joshua didn't look at the size of the problems. They looked at the size of the promise because they trusted in God. And God said, because you trusted me, my protection will reside upon your life they didn't die. Joshua and Caleb, the only two that didn't die. I want to read this passage to you about what happened from Numbers chapter 14. It says this, two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. This is when the 10 spies are convincing everybody not to go into the promised land. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're helpless prey to us. (laughs) They have no protection. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid any longer. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Now, at this point in the text, at this point in the story, it's not Moses and Aaron that stop a million people from stoning Joshua and Caleb. Who protects them? It's what the Bible says. It says, the glorious presence of, the Lord appeared to all of the Israelites at the tabernacle. You see who was it that protected Joshua and Caleb from being stoned? Was not Moses. Was not Aaron. Was not Miriam. Was not any of the other tribe leaders. But it was God himself. So in that moment Caleb and Joshua knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that they would have placed their trust in God. And that their trust would not be misplaced. If God stopped a million people from stoning them, he was definitely going to cause them to enter into their promise. You know, sometimes we've got to step over and trust God because fear will always make things look bigger than they are. You know, in the journey of uh, building the Arise Centre, I'm going to tell you just hopefully a couple of quick things that happened along the way tonight because I believe that this is helped, will help to shape where you're going to, I hope and pray. But in the journey of building the Arise Centre, you know, I remember about seven years ago when we had uh, we were looking and searching for land and we, we, um, we'd got this piece of land, and we bought it, and we bought it with cash, and then we were looking at what we could build on it. And we were looking at a drawing and a plan, and it was going to cost approximately 7.35 million. Like, how exact is that? So 7.35 million, and we were looking at our financials, and as a board, we were obviously prudent, wise stewards we did not want to take the church into a place of risk, but we also have to balance risk with faith. And I remember going round and round the mulberry bush, trying to decide how much risk we would take, how much faith we would apply. And you know what, we spent hours discussing whether we should borrow $7 million. I want to tell you today that after the passing of five years' time, We didn't need to borrow anywhere near that amount because instead people gave over $8 million to build the building. But somehow we didn't have quite enough trust that God would be with us when we stepped out. And so we wasted time. We wasted time worrying about the increase that God was waiting to bring and about the fact that the generosity of the people would rise. See, Caleb says in that passage, we should go. We should go. Their protection is gone, but God is with us. We should do this. I don't know about you, but I think there's people in this room that need a We should go kind of spirit that if we, says God is with us. Hey, it might be drought, but I trust in the Lord. It might not look like the season to do this, but if I know if God has said it, then we can do it. You know, trust and faith always will come up against fear. Always. But our trust in God has to get bigger than our fear. You know, uh... I really believe that if we would trust in God, we would know his protection and his blessing over our lives. Number two, Caleb displayed the power of focus. The power of focus. You know, uh, people will say to us, to my husband and I, how has Arise grown so much? And starting from seven and building to thousands, I mean, it's all glory to God. We did none of it except do as whatever we could to help God. <laughs> But the reality is, if I could say, what's the one thing that we did? Focus. Focus. John and I, that's been our focus. That's been our passion. That's been our sole purpose. And I think if we actually get to the mountain that God has for us, it will require focus. Nothing great is ever built or achieved without focus. Whatever endeavor you want to commit to in your life, you will have to learn the power of focus. And in Caleb, we see a man who over the course of his whole life, he is 85. When our first passage began that we read from Joshua, he's, he's coming to Joshua, Caleb is coming to Joshua at 85, and he had never changed his focus. Focus will get you to God's purpose for your life. What stops us? Distraction, laziness, trying to do too many things. All those things will keep us out of the land that God wants us to inhabit you know, I love that in this passage we read in Joshua 14, Caleb comes up to Joshua. Here he goes again. He's come up to Joshua and he says, You know, hey, Joshua, you know what the Lord said. Hey, Joshua, you know what the Lord said. And Joshua's like, Oh, rolling his eyes, Caleb, I'm sick of hearing what the Lord said. You've told me a million times, I know, yes, you've got to have the mountains, got to be Hebron. See, Caleb, the Bible says, the Bible describes him as like an old salty dog. There's some old salty dogs in the room, like a dog with a bone, like he, you're going to weary away at that thing. You're not going to give up. You're not going to forget about the promise. For 45 years, I reckon Joshua was sick of hearing Caleb talk about his mountain, talk about taking on the giants, talk about what he was finally going to do when he got into the promised land. Poor old Joshua, poor old Joshua. He was living with it. No doubt Caleb had never let him forget. <laughs> so how are we going to live with that kind of focus? How are we going to stay focused? Because who knows that the enemy will come in. The enemy will come in and try to distract us. Well, that's the first thing is we don't get distracted. We don't get distracted. He prowls around doing what? Talking. He's a big mouth. Oh, my gosh. One thing I know about the devil is he's got a mouth on him. He's called the accuser of the brethren. That's because that's what he does. He goes and talks bad about us. If anyone's bad-mouthing you, it's the devil. The Bible says he roars. He can't touch the Lord's protected ones if we're under the protection of the Lord doing the will and purpose of God, amen? But he can roar at us and try to distract us. Now, I, um, I know that you look at this amazing specimen in front of you and think, yes, she's clearly a runner. Well, I tried. I tried. <laughs> uh, and so in my midst of my running phase, I'm one of those sporadic exercises. I'm like, oh, I remember, oh, I should exercise, and I exercise and then I get busy and forget. This was in the middle of my phase of, maybe I could be a runner, and so I went out running, we were in a country town in New Zealand, and it was in the back blocks of a place called, one of, almost like some of your great names, Nangaruru, you like that one? Not quite as good as some of your ones, Koolim, Koolingata, Boodrum? Bud, I don't know, there, you got some goodies. I don't know how you did it, but you got some goodies. What? Oh, I know what my favorite one is. Wagger wagger. <laughs> I, I hope that's not offensive that I laughed at that. I'm like, oops. Don't stone with the prophet. <laughs> wagger Maybe dogs lived there. Anyway, d- lived there. Not lived there. Lived. Okay, this is bad. This is bad. Okay. It's just, you know, I'm blaming Pastor John because he was the one that started the silliness, right? Okay. So there I was, believe it or not, out running. And I was out running and what happened is I was was done about five kilometers, I was feeling fantastic and I thought I'm just gonna add on a little bit more. And so I turned down a side road off the beach road and I was running along and then suddenly this seagull came out of nowhere and it started to fly down towards me and it started to scream at me like you know, like how they squawk at you, this massive, massive bird. And I got a little bit freaked out because I'm like, you know, it's like Alfred Hitchcock. It's the birds. You think they're going to take my eyes out? You think that bird is going to pick your eyes or something? And so I'm like, and then I thought, my gosh, I'm a woman of God. That bird doesn't know what it's in for. I thought, I'm going to give it some of its own medicine. I'm going to give it a fright. And I thought, jolly heck, here you come, bird, I'm ready for you. And so I kept running along, you know, and um, down comes the bird, and I think, right, I'm going to jump out at it and scare it. So as it comes along, I go, rah, and I leap into the air and scream at the bird, thinking, I am woman of God, you just are under my submission, right? Because all the creatures have to obey us, right? And uh, sadly, it did fly away, but when I landed, I landed half on the sidewalk, half off, and completely twisted my ankle, thus ending my running career, and I had to hitchhike for the first time in my life, but I I hitchhiked, I saw the Department of Conservation, Doc, do you have that here? Doc came along, and I thought, well, if he saves Kiwis, must be a nice guy. So I, I put my thumb out when I saw that it was Doc. I thought, how harmless can Dock be? And I caught up my first hitchhiking ride back to the car because I couldn't walk. I had let myself get distracted, and the squawk of that enemy had taken me out. It's a silly story, but the truth is that sometimes a very real distraction comes in. It gets our attention, and we find ourselves injured and inhibited and restricted for actually fulfilling the purpose that we set out to accomplish. God doesn't want us to become distracted. Some of us in this room, we're losing focus because we're hearing the wrong voices. Not just the voice of the accuser, but actually people in our lives who are giving us very bad advice. My friends, don't listen to ungodly counsel. Don't just listen to people that are your friends if you don't think they're smart. There there can be people who are foolish. And they're quite happy to tell us what they think. Don't listen to those fools. Don't suffer no fools. Amen? Don't suffer those fools. Get some wisdom. Ignore the wrong voices. People that say, why are you going to church twice a day? Why are you tithing in the house of God? Why are you so committed to God? You should just live your life. You should just have fun. Don't you? So intense about Jesus. Just lighten it up. You need to think about you more. Just ignore the wrong voices that will take you out of the purpose of God. Focus also requires discipline. That glorious word, self-control. The good news is self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. I'm so comforted by that because, you know, it's something that grows in our life. It's something that grows. And as we draw closer to God, we find that self-control is something we have more of. And that is discipline. That is discipline. As we journey with God, we do become more disciplined. And that's not just in the way we live, but in the focus of our life the intensity and the purpose of our life. You know, I I often think, you know, we think of self-discipline and self-control as being a physical thing or an action thing, but just think for a moment about Caleb and Joshua and the self-discipline they had mentally. There they are for 40 years, 40 years, and they're in the desert, wandering, 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 endlessly wandering, and they're not just wandering but stopping for funerals and they're saying goodbye to every single person they knew. Funeral after funeral. It's not just the wandering, but you go to one funeral and it wears you out, doesn't it? The weight of grief and the sadness in that place, and they had to go and say goodbye to every person. They buried a million people beneath the thin crust of the wilderness. Imagine the discipline of their minds to keep holding to what God had said. We cannot waver. We cannot waver through unbelief, but we take hold of what God said and we are committed to not letting our mind get filled with doubt, not letting our mind get filled with unbelief, not letting our minds be distracted from what God said. We have to stay committed to this purpose. And lastly, to be focused, we need patience. Patience. Oh, it's such a horrible word. I hate it. I confess I am impatient. Patience. God says that if you want to actually get where I've got for you to go, you need some patience. And what happened is Caleb waited for God's timing. So often we're rushing ahead of God's timing. So often we're trying to make it happen in our time. But it's very interesting to me that Caleb not only wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, so we know that they wandered 40 years and then they entered the promised land. He didn't take off then. Hey, I'm off, everybody. We got to the wilderness. See ya. I'm off to find my mountain. He stuck around for another five years. He stuck around for another five years because he knew it wasn't the timing of God yet for him to go and receive his promise. He stayed for Ai. He stayed for the circumcision. Yep, he was there for that. He stayed for the king's defeat. He stayed for the coming down of the walls of Jericho. He stayed for five years. And then finally, he knew it's time. Joshua, God's promised me a mountain. And now it's time. When it was time, you know, I really believe sometimes we're trying to be impatient with God. We're trying to hurry ahead of his timing. And we've just got to know that God has got it in his good timing. Trust and wait, and we will get to our mountain in Jesus' name. Number three, the third thing we see about Caleb was the power of conviction. Caleb never wavered in his conviction what he believed God would do. I want to encourage us in this room. If we believe God's given us a promise for healing, don't waver. Don't waver. Don't let pain cause us to waver. If God has promised it, he will do it. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Caleb didn't waver. He knew God had promised him a mountain. He remembered when the divine presence of God had protected him and surrounded his life, and he held tight to that moment. I want to tell you today, your convictions will be tested. The world will test your convictions. Life will test your convictions. It rains on the just and the unjust. We will be tested, but we have to stay true to our convictions. I love what Caleb says. He says, I brought him a report about the land according to my convictions. He said, I didn't even bring it based on what I saw. I saw it based on what I believe about God. I brought my report based on my conviction Some of us have got to live our life based on what we believe about God, not even what we see in front of us. The message version, I love this, says, he says, I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. The message version says, I stuck to my guns. Is somebody in here going to stick to your guns? You're going to have some grit, not going to be easily swayed by what other people are worrying about and what other people are chasing. You're going to stick to your guns. Young people in this room, are you going to stick to your guns even when everybody else is chasing after craziness on an endless cycle to whet their appetite with pleasure? And you go, hang on a second, I don't need that fake food. I've got the real food, which is doing the will of God. I'm going to stick to my convictions. I don't need what you need. I'm sticking to my guns. Caleb's name actually means all heart. His name means all heart. And I love that because he shows that we need to marry faith with our heart. That to actually do what God wants, faith has to come in the heart. Faith starts in the heart. And then Caleb was a big hearted person. Conviction will change the way we look at things. Conviction will bode no argument. You can't change the mind of a convicted person, can you? You just can't. If someone's made up their mind, you can't change their mind when we were, uh, before we found the land for the Arise Centre, we were looking at buying uh, a land and a building that was up on the side of the hills in Wellington and we we saw this piece of land and it was actually a close brethren building so it was one of those big, I don't know if you have any here in Australia but they build them in a round circle and there was this big round circle and then uh, basically we were looking at this building, it would have been very, very hard to renovate it and I had a dream. I had a dream, and in the dream, we were walking up this goat track. It was like this terrible access to get to this land and building. And all along it, I saw warning signs. And in the dream, I saw warning signs, and I was actually walking up the hill with another board member. And all along, it said, danger, falling rocks, (laughs) danger, get out of here, and, you know, like skull and crossbones. And I woke up from the dream, and I was like, it's not the place God has for us. It's not the place... At the time, there was nothing else. Uh, Wellington is very landlocked. There's no spacious land, there's no blocks of land. It's just covered in buildings. There was no other option, but we woke up and I had a conviction. Went back to the board meeting, I shared this dream, and actually everybody felt the same, but I knew we weren't buying that land. I had a conviction. And the truth is that when we get a conviction, no argument will sway us. Nobody will persuade us to go a different way. Some of us in this room let convictions begin to build in your heart. Think about Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, he uh, led the Roman legions to go and invade Britain. And they got to the cliffs of Dover. And all of the Roman ships, they, they pull up at the white cliffs of Dover. I don't know if you've seen them in a picture. And they climb up, and they climb up the cliffs of Dover, and... Then Julius Caesar speaks to all the troops, and he's like, right, men, we're going on to invade. We're going to take over this place. We're going to invade and conquer. And then he said, now just take a moment and look down, everybody, because they were looking the other way, and they looked down and to their shock and horror. They saw that Julius Caesar had lit all their boats on fire. All of the ships they'd traveled to England in were burning. Julius said, there's no retreat no surrender we're taking this land and you know what they had to do they had to go on and conquer because there was no escape path the, br- the bridge had been burnt up and some of us christians we're keeping that boat at the bottom of the cliff We're keeping it there because we want an escape route. We want a way back to, you know, hey, maybe God didn't say that. Maybe that wasn't what he promised me. Maybe this is my way out. And we're keeping that boat. And God says, hello, somebody burn that boat. Burn that boat. There is no turning back. No turning back. Somebody in this room, you need some conviction that it's time to burn the boat and go on and take the land and conquer. Move into what God has for you in Jesus' name. I love the fact that also we see that conviction provides strength. I'm as strong as I was 45 years ago, 40 years ago. I'm just as strong and vigorous as I was then. See, a conviction will keep you strong. When everybody around you is wavering, you will stay strong. Number four, I have to wrap this up. Number four, the power of confidence. God will always reward our faith and our confidence in him. Caleb shows unwavering confidence. He comes up to Joshua and he says, now give me this hill country. Give me my mountain. You see, God wants you to get to your mountain. He does. We need to have a confidence that even though day by day the bodies were falling in the wilderness, day by day you might be seeing things that don't seem to add up all around you. We have to have a confidence that if God has said it, he will do it that if this is the promise on our life, then he will take us and bring us to his mountain. He knew that God would do it. He knew that God was helping him. And that's where his confidence was. His confidence wasn't in his ability. His confidence wasn't in his strength. He knew the Lord was with him. He knew the Lord was with him, and that was the source of his confidence, If God is with us, he will never leave us and he will get us to the mountain because it's his promise and he is with us in it. Protection was in the promise. I love the fact that when Caleb said, give me this mountain, he knew that this mountain was not like a a beautiful little meadow and like had little running streams and it was going to be like little house on the prairie, (laughs) build my dream home, you know, two stories, a swimming pool and a spa and a little, you know, whatever, and a barbecue, we need that in Australia. You know, Joshua wasn't thinking, I'm going to rock up and build my dream home. There were giants living at the top of the mountain. He was actually asking for the hardest land in all of the promised land to conquer. He was asking for the biggest challenge that the Israelites would face to take the land. He's saying, give me my adversity. Give me my challenge. He wasn't saying, I I want to settle for the easy life. He was just getting started. He was ready to take on the giants. Do you love that? You know, God's name, one of God's names is is El Shaddai. It means all sufficient one. But a secondary meaning is mountain. He is God of the mountains. And Caleb knew that if he would go to the mountain, God would be there. The mountain was called Hebron, which means God is with you. See, in this room, we might be running from the mountain. We might be running from the challenge or the adversity or the promise because it seems a bit too hard. We might want to shrink back from that. But God doesn't want us to run from the mountain. Because if we run from the mountain, the mountain will be bigger than us. But our God is bigger than the mountain. He is the God of the mountains. So some of us have to reshape that picture and begin to see we're not called to run back or retreat. We're called to take the step forward and begin the climb, the upward climb in Christ Jesus. When you run from the mountain, it will overwhelm you. But have confidence. God is with you. God is with you. There are mountains to conquer, my friends. See three Kiwana waters. There are mountains for you to conquer. You've been around for a while, but it's not time to fall asleep in the wandering. It's not time to settle in the wandering. It's not time to just think this is it in the wandering. It's time to stay focused and stay resolute and say, God is bringing me to my mountain possession. God is bringing me to the place where I am willing to take on the next challenge. I might be 85. I might be an older church. I might have been here for a while, but I'm not ready to settle. I'm ready for the next challenge that God has ahead. I want to tell you a little story as I'm coming to a close, but there was a, a man and he had a little pit donkey Oh, he loved this donkey more than a dog. More than it. Wagga, Wagga. He had a donkey, not a dog, okay? It was a donkey. Hee-haw. Yeah. <laughs> this donkey had, had the cutest little hee-haw. And he's like, oh, I love this pet donkey. Okay, it's my sixth message. Just be kind, okay? A donkey. There's a donkey. And unfortunately, his donkey fell in a well, (laughs) fell in a hole, big hole. It's a long way down. And the master of the donkey, he looks down and goes, oh, donkey. Poor, poor donkey. Oh, such a good donkey. Oh, I don't want to leave him there to starve. And I can't just throw down some food because, you know, he'll just eat it, and then he'll starve. So what am I going to do? Well, the kindest thing, because, you know, it's back in the olden days, he didn't have anything to haul the donkey out. He said, the kindest thing to do to make the donkey not suffer much is I'll bury him alive, just nice and quick, suffocate him under the soil. Very kind, loving owner. So he begins, he begins to dig, and he's doing this hard work, and he's digging away, and he's, throwing the soil down in the hole and he's he's getting sweaty and hot and he's sweaty under his clothes and he's busy laboring and getting the dirt down there and the little donkey's down in the well and he's a bit perplexed he's standing there and suddenly this dirt is falling on him and he's looking up hee-haw hee-haw and uh, so the donkey doesn't know what's going on but he's the stuff's falling on him so you know he just shakes it off he thinks I don't, I don't need this shakes it off and he begins to stomp it down and so more dirt comes and more dirt comes and the donkey just keeps shaking it off and he keeps stomping it down. And little by little, the donkey begins to rise. See, there might be a whole lot of things thrown at you. There might be challenges. There might be adversity. But when we just learn to shake it off and stomp it down, we begin to rise. And step by step by step, we get to the mountain that God promises us. And before he knew it, the owner's there. He's still digging. And then he hears in his ear, here and there's his donkey. He had risen above the challenge and he stepped out. See, God wants us to step by step get where he wants to take us. Caleb had to go step by step for 45 years to get to his mountain. It will take patience. It will take everything within us to stay focused. It will take perseverance. It will take courage. It will take every ounce of us. But God wants us to get where he promises he will take us. Young person, it's not going to happen in the next year. Sometimes we think it's instant. God is not instant. But he always, always does what he promises. He always does it. Joseph had a dream and he waited years before the dream happened, but I'm telling you now, the dream happened. God doesn't give you a dream to not see it come to pass. No dream in God is a wasted dream, my friends. See three Kiwana waters. You've got dreams in this church. God says, I'm going to get you there, but just stay in step with me. Stay in step with me. Don't worry about challenge or adversity. I'm going to help you get to where you need to go. You know, there might be things in your life, dirt, challenges, fears, but we can do it because of Jesus. Through Jesus, we can rise above it. It's time to rise. It's time to go forward. It's time to take that mountain. C3, would you stand to your feet of the band? Can come would be amazing. Stand to your feet. Church over your life, I declare it is a new season. I declare it is a new season. I declare that God is going to start to take you out of the wandering season. Step by step, you've been wandering and wandering and wandering. And then the moment comes where it's time to enter in. It's time to cross over. God says you've stayed focused. You've held to conviction. And it's time now that my purpose would come to pass. So Father, I'm praying right now for release, for release, for release. that, Father, their patience would be blessed, that you would prosper their focus. Father, the Bible says that the king's heart, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he directs it wherever he wants. So, Father, we pray for the kings over this land. We declare that you would direct their heart in whichever course you decide, Lord. Father, we believe for something to shift, something to come. We declare it's a new season and a new day, that the wandering, the wandering season, it's time for it to shift a new season we declare it before it comes to pass in Jesus mighty name, in Jesus mighty name there are people in this room you've been holding back somehow along that journey of wandering you lost sight of your mountain somewhere in the journey of life you lost sight of the promise that God wanted you to hold on to Maybe some of you did get to the mountain, but when you got there, you thought, the giants are just too big. When you got there, you thought, I I can't do this. This mountain, it is shadow is falling on me, and I'm overwhelmed by it, so I'm gonna retreat. Some of us got to the mountain, and rather than going up the mountain, we've been wandering around the mountain, just endlessly wandering around it rather than taking that next step. I wanna say it's time, it's time. It's time to climb that mountain. It's time to stop going around it. It's time to stop retreating from it. It's time to move forward. For some of us, we haven't been able to step up because we've had things put on us. We've had these things put on us, and people have been trying to hold us back. It's time to shake it off and stomp it down, to rise above and begin the climb that Christ has for you. If you're in this room and you're like, Jillian, I can relate to that. I want you to lift your hands. I'm going to pray right now that God would release something over your life, a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing. There's a fresh anointing right now tonight. There's a fresh anointing. Come on, band, begin to lift, begin to lift. Right now, I declare over every person's life, lifting their hands. I declare that there is a shift taking place. Father, I declare a spirit of faith, a spirit of faith. Father, I declare confidence. I declare trust. I declare conviction. Father, I declare that by the Spirit of Christ, they will take their mountain. Father, I believe that the promise will come to pass. And over their life right now, God, let things be loosed off in the Spirit of Jesus' name. Father, every accusation of the enemy, we silence. Father, every distraction, we take authority over it. And we declare, we will see the Lord high and lifted up. We will focus on Him, our eyes fixed on Him, and we will pursue our eyes. Upward call in Christ Jesus, Father. Right now, over every person who's lifted their hand. Let the Spirit of the Lord fall. Let the Spirit of the Lord fall with empowering, with strength, with strength, with vigor, with energy. Father, with a strength from within that will mean they are unstoppable, unstoppable in the work that you have for them in Jesus' mighty name. Let's lift our voice and worship right now. Come on. Rise right up, oh God, believe and say, rise right up. room and I'm sorry about this. There's <laughs> some people in this room and you've got your hands in your pockets. You've got your hands in your pockets and the spirit of the Lord says you've got to take your hands out of your pockets. you got to stop being like, yeah, that's for somebody else. Yeah, that that's not me. God says, come on, yeah. come on. See three Kawana waters. We need everybody on board with this vision. Take your hands out of your pockets. I'm sorry, but take your hands out of your pockets. You're part of this company of believers. Lift your hands. If you're in this room and you're alive and breathing, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you believe. You've come here tonight. God's got a purpose over your life. God's got a mountain for you to possess. Lift your hands and begin to sing, let faith rise in me. Let faith rise in me. It's not about everybody else, it's about you tonight. Let faith rise in me, come on, lift your voice. Come Begin to sing this. Begin to sing this right now. Sing it out prophetically over every person. The rest of us just listen, but you just receive right now. Come on, you sing, Jai. Sing this refrain. tonight. God is moving. You know, I actually really believe, um, I just want to do something before we give every person in this room an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. But I believe there are people here and you need physical healing in your body. Pastor John was just in a meeting this morning and a lady was healed of tinnitus and ringing in her ear. And there are people here and you've got all kinds of conditions. I believe God wants to come to heal you so that you can have the energy and the health and the fitness to take your mountain. No physical ailment will hold us back from the promise and the territory of God. So if you in this room. I really believe in the power of God to heal. I have witnessed and seen His miraculous healing in many lives. I want you to lift your hand because the Spirit of the Lord is here to heal. You need a healing in your body. Others, you can lay your hands on them if they've lifted their hands. Believe right now. Oh God, I just bind this sickness and this disease. I take authority over every sickness because the Bible says that you are the Lord who heals all our diseases. You are the Lord who heals by your wounds, we are healed. The power of the cross is claimed over our lives. The blood of Jesus Christ that was purchased for us that not only sets us free but heals us. We thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your healing right now. And Father, I pray that the oil of the Holy Spirit would be released. Let there be a sensation of the Holy Spirit on bodies that need healing right now. Right now. Diseases going, sickness going, lethargy going. Tiredness going. Fatigue going. Energy coming. Headaches going. Headaches going tonight. Father, I thank you for the Spirit of the Lord healing right now. Healing right now. Let faith rise in every heart. We declare it right now. Just lift your hands if you're feeling right now. Put your hands down everybody else. Lift your hands if you feel the presence of the Lord on your body right now. Right now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we confirm you're at work within their physical body, giving life to it, that the spirit of Christ who was raised from the dead is at work within their mortal body, we declare it. Father we pray let there be a full healing a full healing in Jesus name. We release it more more, more, Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, double portion, more in Jesus name and we declare they will reach their mountain with health and strength and laughter laughing at the days that are to come in Jesus mighty name, in Jesus mighty name. Thank you give God some praise in this place. He is good. He is good. He is a good God who heals our sicknesses and our diseases. Jesus is good. You know, I don't want to hand back this meeting before I've given every person in this room an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. I believe that it doesn't matter who you are in this room. It doesn't matter who knows you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is that Jesus Christ loves you and he's longing for a relationship with you. Before we close out this meeting, I want to pray a prayer of faith with you. It's a prayer inviting Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. It's a prayer of faith and then a life that follows that prayer. But in this room, I know that there are people looking across this place, I know there are people who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You've never prayed this prayer. You've never given your heart to Jesus. Tonight's the night. It's time to pray this prayer. It's time to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. There are other people in this room. You come to church. You know God. You know Jesus but you're not following Jesus. You're not in a right relationship with Jesus. You need to pray this prayer tonight as well. You need to recommit your heart to Jesus. You need to surrender your life again. There's other people in this room and you don't have an assurance that if you were to die tomorrow, you would go to be in heaven. In fact, you're quite fearful about what would happen when you die, but you need to leave this room tonight with an assurance that you are saved and have been given the gift of eternal life. If you're in this room tonight, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. but I'm simply going to do is ask you to raise your hand in the air so I can see who's praying this prayer of faith with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes everybody out of respect for everybody else and right now I want to say that there are people in this room you need to pray this prayer. Again it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter who's around you, what matters is your personal response to God who is real and who loves you with an everlasting love. He has been waiting for you tonight to make this decision this night has been all about you he loves you, he's longing for you to choose Him. If you're in this room tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, in just a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three in just a moment and and then I want you to lift your hand. If you're in this room and you know that you know Jesus but you're not living in relationship with Him. You're not living right with Him. It's time to get right. It's time to pray this prayer. I want you to lift your hand. And if you have doubts about your salvation, you need to be praying this prayer tonight as well, and I want you to lift your hand. So if that's you, on the count of three, you lift your hand. One, two, three two, three. Raise it up in the air right now so I can see he's praying this prayer. God bless you over there. That's fantastic. God bless you there. Two hands over there. There's other people who need to pray. God bless you over there. That's fantastic. If you want to respond to Jesus, you lift your hand. It's not about me seeing it. It's about him seeing it. He is waiting for your response. He loves you. And in this place, I believe that Jesus wants to be your Lord and Savior. If you need a relationship with Jesus, if you need Jesus, you lift your hand. If you need... All that doubt to go. You lift your hand. If you need to come into right relationship with Him, you lift your hand. Look, I know there are more people in this room that need to respond that haven't responded. So I'm just going to take a moment. There's quite a few people who have lifted their hands, but there are some more. So if you need to pray this prayer, lift your hand. Lift your hand and respond to Jesus tonight. If you need Jesus, just lift your hand up in the air, and then we're going to pray together pray together. Someone, your heart is beating. You're like, I I don't want it to be me tonight, but God's saying, yeah, you need to respond. You need to respond. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. You lift your hand. You respond to Jesus tonight. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Somebody in this room, you've been away from him. You've been away from him. You come to church and you act like it's all together, but you know that actually you go home and it's just not together. It's time to respond and give your life to him and live right with him. Anybody else tonight? Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, church, we're going to pray this prayer together. Can we put our hands together for every person who responded tonight? It's amazing. It's amazing. So proud of you all. We came here tonight for you. What we're going to do right now is we're going to pray a prayer of faith. I'm going to say a line, and I want you to repeat it after me. And with a nice, big, loud voice, we're going to pray this all together. So let's go. Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus I come to you tonight. I acknowledge my need of you. I thank you that when you died on the cross, you died for me. Forgive me, Lord. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I thank you that tonight I am born again by the Spirit of God, adopted into your family. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate every person who's lifted their hands in this place.